0: Welcome to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Chasing Thoughts was founded by strangers, two life coaches who met on TikTok and shared the desire to create a different kind of life coaching podcast. Instead of talking about how to do it right, the Chasing Thoughts podcast explores embracing our true essence to find a deeper sense of purpose and fulfillment life coaches Keith and Mindy take a unique approach that transcends popular notions of perpetual happiness and striving relentlessly to become one's ideal self. Listen in as Mindy, Keith, and their guests take a deep dive into their own minds and souls to investigate the beauty of imperfection, challenge their beliefs, and embrace the richness of living a truly authentic life.
1: Hi, my name is Keith, and I'm a strategic interventionist and stoner-spirited life coach.
2: Hi, my name is Mindy, and I am an authenticity empowerment coach.
0: Welcome to Chasing Thoughts. Hey, Keith. Hey, how are you?
2: Pretty good. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. Busy morning.
2: Oh yeah. It's just kind of been a crazy week. I got home from vacation on Monday night and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, were are you know, like full of clients and ketchup and, yeah. and then I had a client and I have you and then we're driving another couple hours to go to a wedding this afternoon. Like it's just kind of, you know, oh, a crazy time. So,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. uh, and for me, um, I do really good with being singularly focused on something
0: mm-hmm.
2: but when there's a lot of switching in my life like oh I'm with friends I'm with family I'm with work I'm with it I find that a little bit more challenging so uh I'm practicing flexibility right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's so funny because I'm going through like the same the same stuff like where you get completely pushed out of your comfort zone um and I don't I don't like it at all yeah you know, like, so D- Danielle's Gotten so busy, like I, I always have problems with friends. um Ever since I got out of the military, like I'll, I'll have fr- I'll be friends with people, and then after a little bit, I'll slowly pull away, mm-hmm. and, and isolate again. And then when I met like Danielle and and some other people, I was like, all right, these this is my tribe right here, you know, because we like lifted each other up, all kinds of stuff. It was such a great exchange of energy where you leave not feeling exhausted, but feeling you know energized. And now she's like all busy and I'm like all alone again. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I don't like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's funny because I have an interest, I have a similar habit with people. I love them, and but I have a, a hard time staying connected to yeah. them. And I'm not really sure if it's just kind of an executive function thing that I'm not good at like calling and remembering birthdays and texting back or if it's more of an internal pulling away thing because of some uncomfortableness with getting close. I'm not really sure where it lies. The other thing I was thinking about is I have been so focused on getting out of my comfort zone with my business that the other areas of my life have sort of become dull, right? Like I've just mm-hmm. been watching more TV at night. I haven't, cause I have been craving comfort in my personal life, because I'm stretching out over here. Yep. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a little bit normal, right? Of course. But also how do I rebalance that so that my life, my personal life is also a stretch in the ways that I need it to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, wow. That is interesting. Do you find
2: that like one area, if one area of your life's really stretching that you, the other areas of your life maybe are providing that comfort that you need
1: yeah oh a hundred percent yeah because that that's like i was i was even talking to sandy like this week i don't know how many times you know because I'll, I'll start feeling sorry for myself and i'll be like all right i'm just done i'm done and i'll i'll make up all the excuses you know like talking about time like last night be like well i'm i'm 48 so you know you've been doing this for 10 years so by the time i'm doing this for 10 years i'm 58 You know, I'm like, so I lost my chance to actually build to where I want to be, which is such a limiting belief system. And then I put all the pressure on other people or what, like I need other people, you know, and without them, I won't succeed, you Mm -hmm. know? So now that I'm in this place where it's just me, you know, and I have to figure this stuff out for myself. I'm more back into um, just binge watching stuff, you know, doing everything I can to distract myself, um, which seems to be so easy to do. You know, like, in fact, the other day I came out, I came out of the office and Sandy was like, did you get a lot of stuff done? And I'm like, yep, I successfully distracted myself for about four hours. So good, good day's work right there. <laughs> yeah. But all those, all those other things that just like hold the attention. And and the stuff I saw as I was doing some research on the comfort zone, yeah, kind of scary, because um, it actually has like a biological effect um, on us, which is, it's pretty wild.
2: You say more, like staying in your comfort zone or going too far out, like to talk more about what the...
1: Yeah, staying in your comfort zone. Yeah. So basically, the way I put it is it, the more we stay in our comfort zone, the more restricted that comfort zone gets, yes. the more prison-like it gets yes the more that we that we leave the comfort zone the more open we are not only the more open we are the, the more experiences that we're we're good at you know or that we can um you know enjoy but also self worth goes up self confidence goes up and then and and in fact our brain actually grows it yes. it, it grows the like and it has the ability to create new neurons which which equal to new learning to new experiences and then the opposite is true as well the more that we restrict ourselves in that comfort zone, even though it feels good, you know, um, the, the, we, we, our brain kind of goes back to only processing the sort of genetic connections that have been passed down, which are usually not all that great for us.
2: Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Cause one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was trauma PTSD and the comfort zone because I know for me when I went through my car accident so you know I almost died I was stuck in my car for hours I was in a hospital bed for three months like major trauma they diagnosed me with PTSD which I'm sure is different than the kind of PTSD that you experience. and I never even knew that was a diagnosis for people in like car accidents right yeah Yeah. but um After that time, my comfort zone became so small. Like there was a time when I remember looking out the window and being like, I don't even really want to leave my house. Right. Like there was so, so much fear there. And so I was really thinking about how, if you grow up in a life that doesn't have trauma, you're at a privilege to expand your comfort zone because you're not like trauma has an impact on that. And I just, I don't know what it is exactly, but I know that you've experienced some things in your life and you had PTSD. And so I wanted to know what was your experience of that? Did you snap back into a really small comfort zone for a time? And did you have to stretch that out again?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm actually in the process now of stretching that back out. You know, once I started this business, um, like I, I say, I had a nervous breakdown. It wasn't a nervous breakdown, but I was just like, "What am I doing?" I couldn't be authentic. I couldn't be vulnerable, and I, and I was like, "I don't know who I am." You know, um, so when I joined the military, um, going through base, I went basic training, airborne school. went went to Italy. We we prepared to go into Bosnia. I mean, we were training on um, trip wires, like all kinds of stuff. You know, I mean they they would say they would set up things like where a manhole cover would be put in a window, you know, facing outward. And then you trip it and and the bomb behind it would just shoot the manhole cover right at you, just like decapitate people. Like that's and I wasn't, I was having fun, you know. And I looked back, and I was like, I was a badass, you know. And then you to a point, you know, because I've also I, I work with some special forces guys and Navy SEAL, like I say work with, but I pulled guard duty for them while they rested. Um, and uh, like those were like really badass dudes, but um, then when I got home, I, I found I needed to control absolutely everything, and I think PTSD gives us this um, overwhelming urge to control every aspect of life, you know, so there is no surprises, so you always know what's gonna happen, who's around you, you know, that situational awareness. You know, and I think it's the same. Um, So to a two, but man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl and then the choice by um, Edith Egger, they talk about that, you know, where trauma doesn't have a hierarchy, you know? um, Like when I worked in a program, I I noticed that there's a thing, I started calling it a a trauma competition where this one kid and he had a lot of mental health issues and I felt so bad for him. He was such a good dude too. Um, But if anybody said I've had it worse than you, he would be ready to fight them, physically fight them, you know, because he started to identify by with his trauma. And then when somebody said, I've had it worse than you, that's, you know, shrinking his identity. Right. You know, and when and I think it's a natural process too to start to identify with our trauma. Yes. And then we want to control everything. There, there was one time. Um, I came home. No, yeah, I picked up my kids from school um sandy was working they were doing homework and then i noticed that there was like sheet music from the little mermaid on the counter then i asked like it was like hey whoever this is can you just put it away and both my kids were like it's not mine so i'm like okay no no big deal so it yeah, well, it's somebody's you know so can you can you please put it away and like no honestly it's not mine i flipped I started screaming. I was going completely. And I remember in my head yelling at myself, stop, stop. And I, just, I could not. But that one little piece of paper that all I had to do was pick it up, crumple it up and throw it away. Completely destroyed um, any balance in my life at all. Yeah. And I completely lost it and went into a blackout rage, you know, all because of that one thing that, took control away from me because whose was it? No one can answer. So apparently it's a huge problem.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that this came up at the beginning of our conversation because I think it's so important for everybody and people listening and in this conversation to realize that not everybody's at the same starting place with the comfort zone. And even in your own life, you're going to go like up and down and up and down and things are gonna change. And it's so funny. Um, I actually had an anxiety attack or a PTSD attack uh, when I was backpacking these last two weeks. Same kind of situation. There was like these sketchy switchbacks with like big drop off, and there was an area where like the it had eroded, and you kind of had to use your hands and feet. And mm. I felt so afraid and exposed, and I couldn't control it because I couldn't go turn around. I could. I had to do this thing, and my body filled with energy, right? I got super hot and flushed, oh. right? Like all the physical symptoms. And then my next response was to want to yell at my husband or whoever was there, because that's the only way to get rid of that energy, right? Your body's like, Phew. I didn't yell. Cause I knew like, this isn't really his problem is that. But then when I got like past that situation, I just started crying because the, when you have a anxiety attack or PTSD attack, or whatever you want to talk, tell, talk about it, the energy has to go somewhere. You have to do something with all that energy in your body. And um, yeah, that's challenging. And I think when we talk about comfort zone and you talk about having anxiety attacks, it becomes even more scary to push yourself because you're like, oh crap, I could freak out. <laughs> right? <laughs> outside of my own control and then you want to stay even more in comfort because you don't want that to happen
1: yeah and it's it's funny too because as we expand so the more we stay in our comfort zone and kind of expand our time within that sort of like parenthetical that we that we like to live in um like we were talking about like the more restrictive it becomes you know so anxiety grows you know um Like I knew somebody they had, they had anxiety because they they had like some, um like real bad stomach issues. And so traveling a a far distance away from home caused a lot of anxiety. And then they got to the point where just leaving home caused Mm -hmm. anxiety, you know? So whatever we feed ourselves, even when we're feeding ourselves the, the, the comfort and the stuff. Um, it's just gonna, it's just gonna grow and grow and grow. I mean, it's just like a muscle, you know, the more you yep. work muscle, the more it's gonna grow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about how to get out of it if you're in that situation. Cause I actually have two different clients that are struggling with very tight comfort zones right now. And how do you start? Where do you start? Right? Pick one small thing and stretch it. And what is that like for you? And do you have any stories of how you're doing that or have done that in the past?
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The the coolest thing. So the coolest thing I found about com- like I, after after looking into this, I've I've come to the realization that comfort zones, e- even though it's like a nice name, like come like everybody likes to be comfortable, comfortable, but they're actually dangerous. It's like a everybody. prison zone. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, so I looked up like some like the etymology of the word. Um, and there there was this old English word fro for. Um, mm-hmm. I doubt I'm saying that right too, but right. it's a state of enjoyment resulting from satisfaction of bodily wants and freedom from anxiety. So it's feelings. You're yep. feeling humble. There's no stress, there's no danger, there's nothing, right? But the first time like for instance, comfort food. You know, as, when it started to be put into like a phrase, comfort zone, comfort food, came up in 1966 in an article, um, I think in 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 some Miami newspaper about obesity in America, and comfort food was was described as the um, food that is dubiously uh, new, that is typically of dubious nutritional value, and. <laughs> I love the word dubiously. Um,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, so that started to make me see that like comfort zones are are not good. You know, they, they make us feel good, but they're not good. And, and so it goes with that pain versus pleasure principle in our mind. And even though we look at the comfort zone as pleasure, it's, it's really not, it's really harming us. And then looking at the stuff that's good for us as pain So for me, the first thing I'm, I'm, I'm doing is I'm flipping that script. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just with, through repetition, telling myself over and over and over again, every time I want to, cause like naps for me are my go-to. Right. Like Oh, I do. I'll, I'll nap, you know, like when people say like, I'm going to sleep when I'm dead. Like why (laughs) I want to sleep now. I enjoy it. You know, like I'll live when I'm dead. I don't know, like do the reverse thing, but um. But the more I take part in that, I'm just telling myself over and over and over again, that's painful. It's not painful in the short term, but it's going to be painful in the long term, you know? And that pushing through is pleasurable. And I used to love that stuff. I used to, I mean, the first time I jumped out of a plane, I I like threw up all over the place and everything. and But but as soon as I hit the ground, I was like addicted to it. I was like, yeah, we got to go again, you know? And then by the time my military career ended, it was the scariest thing in the world to me because of the, the mental language and the focus that I had. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I would say the way that shows up in my life is my husband and I always talk about type one fun and type two fun. So type one fun is like margaritas on the beach. Like everybody loves it, right? Type two fun is something that might be really challenging in the moment, but the memory of it is good, right? It's where you're pushing yourself and you're having a good time, but it's, eh, you know, and then the memory of it is really positive after you've completed it, right? And so that's kind of what I hear you saying is stretching into those spaces where it's not just margaritas on the beach. You have to stretch to be there.
1: Yes. And I, I love that you said that. It's it's the, the experience, the memory, so um, this is one of the stuff I was just I was just reading about in the book I'm reading now. It's called uh, Evolve the Brain by Joe Dispenza, and he was talking about how we learn. So there's two basically two ways, and I can repeat the words like a parrot, but I'm not, you know, I'm not like I know what I'm talking about. So we have s- semantic um, memory where we learn from knowledge, you know, um, reading something and 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 memorizing something, and then we have um, I'm going to forget it now, but it's basically experiential memory. And that is so important because it utilizes all of our senses, which makes the memory even more so, Mm -hmm. you know, he'll go through a thing like, you know, um, I'm, I'm sitting in my room, you got a place, you know, so I got the visual senses going. Um, I'm waiting for my, my father to get home. Cause I just did something really bad, you know, and I hear my mom, like, you know, complaining downstairs, like wait till your dad gets home, you know, when he hears about this and stuff. So it's all those feelings that you have that are related to the memory that make it, um, stand even more. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said was, um, knowledge without experience is philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, with, with experience it becomes wisdom. Uh, and so we said, whatever you learn, or whatever philosophy you have, always go and try to experience that. Mm. And I think that is the only way out of our comfort zone because I think our our comfort zone comes down to our belief systems, and our belief systems become our identity. Yes. You know, so when we get stuck in that comfort zone, is because we identify with needing that. Mm. You know, our identity says this is where I'm I'm at. So we have to change. Is sort of ex- or change or expand our belief system but with that comes an expansion of identity any change an identity shift or expansion has to come along with that yeah and the only way to do that is to experience things you know to experience more and more and push yourself out um yeah. and then when we do that you know all this incredible stuff happens in our like our neocortex actually enlarges you know mm-hmm. new synaptic connections that 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 form and stuff like amazing things happen in the brain and the most important part is it grows our self worth mm-hmm. you know like people that when we get stuck in a comfort zone because i'm noticing that in myself my self worth is like in the toilet yeah you know so how can i expand myself how can i go out there and try new things because as soon as you fail which is inevitable you know It's going to, well, that's going to, that's going to sort of cement my belief on my seat. I'm not, I'm not good enough, you know? And if, if we, and it's a learned behavior, you know, because if we did that when we were, when we were babies, we would all, me and you right now would be having this conversation sitting on the floor because we couldn't walk and wearing diapers, you know what I mean? Because we all failed that.
2: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I put comfort with failure as one of the things to note about how that's one of the things that is required. If you're going to, if you're going to live this life of being in your growth zone versus your comfort zone, you're going to have to get real comfortable with failure, right? You're going to have to change your story about it. And you're going to have to be like, ah, I failed. All right, what's next? Right. It has to become just part of, oh, I
1: just stubbed my toe. Eh." Right. And and it's funny in in reality, Staying in our comfort zone—that is when we actually fail. Going out and trying something new and and not succeeding. In fact, I was just listening to a podcast. Um, it was Tony Robbins' wife, Sage Robbins. She was talking about her daughter going to swimming lessons, and she was like, "My daughter's a swimmer." And she's like, "Then I caught myself," and she said, "As soon as I you put that label on there, there's an expectation that comes with that." So instead, she reframed it to my daughter's learning to swim, mm-hmm. and with that comes. Now the adventure of taking on a new task, allowing yourself to fail because failure is just learning. That's all it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love, there's a quote or something that says like, you know, the best way to get good at something is to suck at it with enthusiasm. And I always try to remember that because that's, you got to just jump in and be okay with sucking at something because nobody starts something being great at it.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Not exist.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going through, I, I actually got so, I was so angry at you. I was so jealous. Um, cause I looked at your website and it is so beautiful and it's so orderly and it's, you know, and then I looked at mine and I'm like, man, this looks like macaroni art I made, like, you know, in kindergarten, And like, all right, we got to do the website. I have no idea how to do it. So mm-hmm. my first thought is pay somebody. Right. So I'm like, no, Nope, nope, nope. I you know, YouTube is amazing. And I'm gonna jump on YouTube <laughs> and learn how to do the website. And I if it takes me 10 years, yeah. I'm doing this myself. You know, like that's just and that's that's how I'm trying to expand my comfort zone. So very, very low risk, yeah. but it is also gonna challenge my identity of you know, I can't do this, I'm not smart enough, I'm too old for technology, whatever it is. You know, so it's going to challenge all that stuff and kind of push me out in a safe place because if it doesn't work out, I can always just pay somebody.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think what I like about that is recognizing how untrustworthy your thoughts are. Yes. And I really recognize this. The first time I recognized this in my life was when I was a young woman. And sometimes I would look in the mirror and I would think like, oh my gosh, I'm so pretty. Like I'm the prettiest girl, right? And then like a week later, I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, I am so ugly. I shouldn't even go outside today. This is horrible. Like Just changing thoughts about my own physical appearance. And I realized I can't trust what I think about myself at all because something weird is happening here or it's hormones or it's situational. But if I go and believe this and then believe this, and that, right? And- ever since that happened, it's been so helpful to me because I have those thoughts all the time. Like all of my Instagram videos suck. They're horrible. And then a week later, I'll be like, I'm doing such a good job. These videos. Right. And so now I just let it have its judgment, right? That's what the brain likes to do. This is good. This is bad. This is, and I just don't even really pay attention to it because it's not valuable information.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I had I had a guy describe like our thoughts, like he said, our thoughts have the nature of the wind. You know, he's yeah. like, go outside and try to stop the wind from you can't. So you just have to let them move on through, you know, because we are, we are not our thoughts, you know, we're we're conscious. just like, we have hands and feet, but we are not our hands and feet. We're something bigger than that. And it's the same thing. We are not our thoughts. And we are not our feelings. You know, I think that especially society too plays a, a big role in this, like telling us, sort of dictating to us what our comfort zone is, especially when they dangle like all these incredibly luxurious things in front of our, like vacations, trips, cars, whatever it is. And we just like kind of bat at them, like like cats and stuff, like I need this, I need this. But it, it just provides more comfort and more comfort and more, com- and then we just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. But yeah, I've noticed that like my, I always refer to my, my, my brain as an asshole, um, you know, because it, it just treats me horrible, but I'm incredibly grateful for it because what it's trying to do is protect me, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the first thing that I noticed was um, and, and started to work on to get out of the comfort zone is instead of identifying with my thoughts, understanding that all the thoughts like when I go, my videos are horrible. You know, I get within two to 300 views on TikTok and then it just dies that that, that's it. And I'm like, well, it's because I'm not lip syncing something or I'm not attractive enough or I'm not like built, you know, whatever. And it's my brain. It's being an asshole, but it's it's a good purpose to it. it's trying to protect me because if I didn't make the videos then I wouldn't have those thoughts. You know what I mean? So it's trying to get me to back away from that because I see the videos again, or the, I guess, lack of, I don't even know what I want because I don't care about going viral. So there's really, there's really no goal that I'm looking for. It's just lack of, you know, that I'm focusing on. And then to protect myself from it, my brain's like, don't do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that just shrinks me.
2: Yeah. I love that idea of shrinking because that's something that I think everybody can viscerally feel, right? I feel contracted. I feel like I have to shrink. I have to pull back. And that's like the red flag, right? Okay. When I get that feeling in my body or when I have those kinds of thoughts, I know that I'm shrinking back. Because I think sometimes it's hard to even identify where the edges of your comfort zone are and where you're pushing. And I think that is a good indicator when you're shrinking either just to yourself, right? In your example of the videos or to fit in a situation or a conversation. Anytime you have that thought, there's an opportunity to stand up straighter, pull your shoulders back, take a step forward in whatever it is.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the, one of the most powerful ways too, that we can change in, in an instant is how we hold ourselves. Yes. You know, like, I'm sure you like, you hear the studies from like Harvard, like the, the power poses and stuff. Like for me, I have a hard time with this stuff. Cause I like a lot of the stuff that I learn. I'm like, never doing that. That's dumb, <laughs> you know? And then I, then I try it and I'm like, wow, that works. Okay. Um, that's pretty good. And now, now like, I'm like, all right. But I'm like rolling my eyes, but I'm trying to stand taller and stand straighter. But within a little bit, I start to feel more confident. You know, yes. um, I, I play pool on a pool league on Friday nights and I am I am not good at pool. I'm good at sinking the cue ball, um, which is a bad thing, but I'm not good at sinking the other balls. Um, and I went through a stretch where I lost everything for like. a Like months, you know, if not like up to a year but I was, I was stressing out every shot I took. I'm, I'm, my thought process was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. So again, my brain trying to like protect me and let me know, look, just walk away, just quit, you know? Um, and then when I started, like I miss a shot and I'll stand off, letting my opponent play and, and everything. And I stand tall, my shoulders are back, my chest is out, my head's up. And I laughed too, especially when I miss an amazing, like such an easy shot. And I miss in such an amazing fashion. Um, Like there was one time the ball was right on the verge of dropping into the, into the pocket. All I had to do is just tap the ball. And, and I, and I sent the the cue ball actually moved the ball out of the way and the cue ball went in the pocket and the other, and the guy that was playing was like, how did you do that? I'm like, I don't know, but I could teach you, man. Like, I, so I started having fun with it, you know, cause humor, wow. I I think is one of those things that can bring that mountain that we make out of a molehill back down to size.
2: Yes, yes. And it can help us deal with failure. Yeah. You bring some humor into the situation. I I don't know. I think I might've said this before, but Louis CK has this old, old bit about, he says, have you ever been in a situation that is so horrible where you messed up so bad that you wanna run out of the room screaming at the top of your lungs so that that's the thing they remember about you, right? And it's a joke, but now I always tell my husband when I'm going to do you know, a job pitch or something I'm nervous about, I'm like, well, I'll either it'll go well, or I'll run out of this room screaming, like one or the other, like either way I'll be home, right? And it's funny because it really doesn't matter what happens. right? Right? It goes horribly, and I regard it with humor. I will have a funny story to tell.
1: Yes, yeah, and I think that's one of the things that makes us shrink is, you know, we we don't want to brag about the stuff we suck at. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just normal. I think human nature. But why not? It's funny. You know, yep. uh, I, I remember I had a, uh, a old friend of mine that he ran like a kids' camp, and uh, he asked me to help out because he'd always do these like really intricate um, themes throughout the whole thing. And on this one particular time, um, he was kidnapped by, by terrorists, you know, and the kids had to like, saw, it was almost like a week long live in escape room, you know, for this camp. Cool. And, um, one of the guys that was helping out owned an auto dealership and he had a Humvee. So the plan was the Humvee was going to come up and I had just gotten out of the military. So I was like, still like, yeah, I'm like, I could do whatever um and i was holding on to the top of the rack like not like on the roof of it and then i was going to jump off tackle him and then we were going to throw him in the humvee and take off and that he was going to be kidnapped and i didn't realize but there was like this little hook um where i was sliding off the top of the humvee so when i jumped my pants caught on the hook and it just ripped the back of my pants right off um luckily the kids were far enough away you know because they the plan was for them to run to try to rescue them and stuff but but we were going to get away um before they got there so they were they were probably like 50 yards away so they didn't see anything but unfortunately the entire kitchen staff which was made up from like his mom his sister like all these people were right behind me and they got a show that they were not prepared for <laughs> You know, but now like looking back on that, I'm just like, that was hysterical. I tried something new, um, failed horrifically. Um, but you know, I gave a show to some people that weren't weren't expecting one. So, you know, success, I guess, overall.
2: Yeah, that would be a really fun social media challenge to frame up where it's like, I'm gonna post every day a story about failure, where I failed in my life. And I like encourage you to do the same, like hashtag failure's funny or like whatever it is to try. Cause I think social media makes it worse, especially on the younger generation, thinking that we have to show up and we have to know what we're doing and we have to be perfect. And so it'd be fun to flip the script a little bit and just have people, if they would participate, tell stories like you just told where, it's complete failure and you're okay. And it's okay.
1: Yeah. That, that is such a great idea. I I love,
2: we'll have to figure out exactly how to frame it up and then we should both do it and tell stories because my
1: mind is spit like There's so many stories I could tell. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny.
2: Yeah. I had um, one just recently. It's not as funny as yours, but I had a big important meeting to go to and I thought it was at one location, but it was at a different location across town. And it had been such a busy week. I was overwhelmed. I really wanted to put my best foot forward. And so I started crying because I knew I was gonna be late. I called them, I was gonna be 15 minutes late. So I parked in the new location, ran up the stairs, got into the meeting. It's a boardroom full of people, right? Do my whole thing. And they're all being like really nice to me. And then afterwards I got in my car, I went home and I went to the bathroom and my mascara had completely run and I had two black eyes and no one said anything. So I gave my entire presentation with two black eyes because I had cried in my car on the way over.
0: Oh, that's I, horrible. He's a freak, right?
2: <laughs> well, what are you gonna do, right? Yeah.
0: That's so funny. they were all being so
2: nice to me, (laughs) they were like, "She's on the edge." (laughs) It's just funny,
1: funny. right? Yeah, just funny. And and that's what it is. Like, so uh, we we our identity like wants us like we think of ourselves as this particular thing. Like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. But when we look at it, you know, we look at those failures. For the most part they're like you said they're they're just hysterical. They're funny, they're funny stories. So nothing bad came out of it. In fact, something in the long run, something funny and humorous came out of it. So I think the first step in getting out of your comfort zone is is identifying exactly what that belief system is that is challenging you and then sitting with it for a little bit. Yeah. Why do I feel like I can't do this? Why do I feel that I'm too old or whatever to to actually get to a level that I want to get with this business, you know, Mm -hmm. and from what I found, there's generally not an answer. Yep. You know, so it's, so why, why am I holding myself back from trying new things? Yep. It's just a thought. Yeah. That's, That's it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I Wanted to bring up in this conversation. I don't know if you have, if you know who Jonathan Haidt is. I heard him talk about anti-fragility on the Joe Rogan podcast, Mm. and I love this concept of anti-fragility because what it is is like an immune system. Right when your kid is little, you expose them to other kids and to playgrounds, and they get germs, and that's how they build their immune system. And if you don't do that if you like put a kid in a bubble boy right they're not going to be able to survive in the world because every germ they encounter will get them sick yeah and this guy is saying in the same way our comfort zone has to have germs attacking it all the time right you the only way that you can become a strong confident secure human in the world is to go through adversary adversity to have challenges, have failure, because just like your immune system, that's how that grows. And so you should, like you've been saying like, expose yourself to those things so that you can be the strong person that you wanna be. Yes. And and you can do it intentionally. I also saw this Ted talk, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he was so funny. He was talking about what he called rejection therapy. And he said he was so afraid of being rejected in his life that he went out to get a hundred rejections. And he has a list of a hundred things you can do to get rejected ask a stranger for a hundred dollars, right? Like they're just silly things. <laughs> but he's like, I have this huge fear around rejection. So I'm just going to go get rejected a bunch until that goes away.
1: I love that. Yeah. And yeah, it's
2: brilliant. I,
1: yeah. Yeah. When I was, when I was going through my coaching classes, one of the um, one of the stories that uh, Chloe Madonna's told, she's a marriage and family counselor. Um, she had a client who he had uh, lost his job and he was struggling finding a job. It was, he was in an industry that was, that was very sort of small. So he, he was really struggling and his self-worth just tanked. Um, and he's like, so I, I can't even date. I can't go try to meet women, nothing. So instead of even working on the problem of like, all right, let's deal with getting a job, she said, I want you to go to the mall, stand at the bottom of the escalator, and you cannot go home until you ask three women for coffee. And she goes, don't be creepy, you know, but just let them know, like, look, I am working on rejection. So um, I'm going to ask you, will you have a coffee? This is not a date. We don't have to exchange numbers, but would you be interested in having a coffee with me? Like nine months later, the guy was getting married. Yeah. You know, from just challenging that thing. I don't even, I don't know if it was from a woman that he met coming off the escalator, you know, but, um, but it, it, it reframed everything and, it, and then his self-worth, you know, came up, his self-confidence came up, he ended up getting a job, you know, all that stuff. So when we, when we sort of bow to that feeling of, you know, let's, let's, let me be comfortable, you know, um, it's going to, it's going to tank all that stuff. So when we challenge it, that's when we start getting more power, more energy and more, um, you know, just love in our lives.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that even going and getting rejected is more powerful, like that you feel more powerful taking that action than not taking it. Yes, And that's a really good way to think about it. Like, okay, this chapstick is my power, right? Anytime I give it away, because you can viscerally experience that to an idea, a thought, a belief. Again, that's a red flag. I want to keep as much power as I can. That's how I build the life that I want. And so recognizing where you're giving that away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, especially with the comfort zone, we give it away to absolutely nothing.
2: Right. To a, to a thought.
1: Yeah. And then we start binge watching, we start scrolling, you know, doing, doing things that really there's not a purpose in, you know, we're just getting that dopamine release. And I, I just saw an amazing video, you know, I always learned like dopamine, is the happy molecule, you know, um, in our heads and, and, uh, neuroscience was talking about like, they're starting to find that it's not really the case. It's more of a, um oh brain just went blank that happens to me all the time for some reason but it's um like you want more you want more it's um you know so when you scroll you start feeling like trash but you keep going and you keep so even though it's detrimental to you you still keep going and they're finding that that's because of the dopamine release that's there so just like the comfort food has no nutritional value most of it you know, it's the same thing. The things that we do for comfort really don't do anything for us. Yes. You know, when we stay in that for, you know, for too long. And we live in a society where I mean it's it's so hard to for most of us to not be comfortable. Yes. You know, yeah. um, there was a book, The Open Focus Brain, where it talked about like zebras, and it was so cool because um when I was doing therapy a little while ago, um she broke out a book. It's like why zebras don't get ulcers, and I'm like, I know this, you know. Um, so they live mainly in the rest and relaxation response. And even if a lion comes up, they're like, whatever, you know. They keep grazing. But then when the lion gets a little bit too close, that's when they bolt, and the lion goes. And within about sixty seconds, either the zebras got away or the lion made a kill, and so the rest of the herd goes back to rest and relaxation but we live opposite. We live in a chronic fight or flight response and we spend just moments in the rest and relaxation response, you know? So we have, especially in this country, we have so much, I know there's tons of problems, but we have so much, but we're also one of the most heavily medicated countries in the world. And it's, yeah. I, I, I truly believe it's because we're just too comfortable.
0: Yes.
2: Yes. I would agree that comfort right now is one of the biggest risks for human evolution or what comes next for society because we don't thrive in those comfortable places like you said we shrink and that's a scary thought when you think about it on a humanity level
1: yeah and it's so cool too um that it's not just the failures that make us shrink but it's success also
0: that makes
1: like i heard this amazing analogy like a thermostat You know, like when you're in the house and it gets too cold, you know, maybe you set it like it, I don't know, let's say 62, but it gets like the 58 and the heat kicks on, you know? And when we, when we get so tired of our own um, sort of complacency and moving forward, you know, we get to that point where like, all right, I'm, I'm pushing forward, you know? But I didn't, I didn't, I, I was not expecting this too, but as we start to become more successful as well and push those boundaries you know, and let's say like, you know, you set the AC, okay, the AC is going to kick on when it gets to 75 degrees in the house. Once we start getting to that ceiling, all of a sudden it cools us back down. Like, all right, no, 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 you know, because it's unfamiliar and our minds want familiarity. It wants the patterns, you know, especially like going back to like talking about PTSD. Cool. That really just sets in like stability patterns, routine, normalcy.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it would be fun. I love the idea of doing the failure challenge, but maybe another thing that would be fun is, um, making an uncomfortable list, like, and sharing it with folks and just saying, Hey, I sat down and wrote down, you know, 10 areas or 10 things where I'm limiting myself just to be really more aware of it. Right. Like you said right now, time is one of those big things that you're limiting. And I think I have the time thing too, but mine is more around um, perception, right? Like I'm not hmm. young enough to go into like the young crowd. I'm not old enough to be like an old wise person. I am in like this weird, <laughs> I try to act older. Yeah. Like I feel like I don't fit in and yes, like yes. the social media and I don't know how to brand myself and it's confusing. And I think there's some of that just in our culture, right? I mean, it used to be when you were 50, you were like an old person. Now 50 year olds are still like going and they're attractive and it's nothing, right? But I think the identity of it, this midlife shift, that's something that I've been coming up against is not knowing what my story is about who I am as I go into my mid forties and my fifties and how I wanna present
1: that is so that that is so interesting It's so fascinating to me yeah yeah it's one of one of that the thoughts i had recently was especially when it comes to our comfort zone you know no matter how much outside validation we get it's meaningless if we don't believe in ourselves you know just with the coaching that i do i'm different i'm a different coach you know um I like cracking a lot of jokes. I mean, I even call myself the stoner spirited life coach. And I've had so many people like, you can't do that, it's unprofessional. And I'm like, I have never been accused of being professional. Don't (laughs) do that to me, you know? Um, That's just always been like my style. And no matter how many people say like, oh, this meant so much to me. This was like, I never looked at things this way. I'm like, no, can't do it, can't do it. So I can have literally everybody in the world line up and validate me. And I'll, I'll come up with millions of reasons why, um, it's, it's all untrue. You know, um, like I call it the stripper effect, you know, like when you go into like a certain club, you know, people are paid to flirt with you right? It's not because they like you. It's not because they find you attractive it's because they're making money. Job. Yep. That's all it is, you know? Um, so it first has to come like from you. So challenging our comfort zone has to start internally, you know, it can't yeah. be anything external.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I went through that last night because I had my uh, course that I'm trying to do. You know, I had a bunch of people signed up, nobody showed up. And then I just went immediately to the couch and turned on a comfort TV show. Like I'm done. And then my husband came home and he's like, how'd it go? And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. It sucks. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, right? Like the whole bit, like you're talking about. And then he's like, okay, well, how many clients did you meet with this week, right? And I'm like, eight. And he's like, well, how did your sessions go? Well, they all went great. Okay, like he started, and then I I cued in and I was like, oh, you know what? I need to go sit upstairs by myself for 10 or 15 minutes, maybe put my headphones on and listen to some music because I need to spend some time with this thought because I was in that place where you were, where it doesn't matter if you show me a thousand things about me, I'm convinced that I'm a failure. And I'm actually mad that you're not agreeing with me. And I'm yes. actually mad that I'm not convincing you that I'm a failure because I really want you to say, yeah, you're right. You are like that misery loves company energy. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And so I went upstairs and I put on my headphones, listened to some music, and just sort of did a meditation or sat with myself until I was able to get to a better place where. I didn't want, I I stopped convincing myself I was a failure, right? Because I felt like for some reason that was my job because I didn't get the results I wanted. I needed to convince myself that I was a failure, right? And it was messed up. Right. And I think that's all we can do is we're never going to be perfect as humans because we have these complicated nuanced systems. So the best you can do is recognize when it's happening, stop it in its tracks, try to reset your brain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it can be such a fun experience. I mean, there's times like that where, you know, you have that expectation, you know, especially like, cause I've, I've gone through that too, like where I've tried so many different things and nothing has worked out, you know um and and I can't say like I put a hundred percent effort into any one of those things, you know, but it just goes to prove that nope no nope, success is for somebody else and that's a that's a lesson I learned when I was a kid. so that is just so deeply rooted into my brain that when anything doesn't work out I'm like see this is not not for me. And then when I get into like this past week that I've had, again, it's just Proof that success is not for me. You know, I'm just some idiot that needs to go and and start collecting cans on the side of the road. You know, something like that. You know, but then, like you said, when Sandy doesn't, when Sandy's like, "What are you talking about? Like, you did this, you did that." And I'm like, "You don't get it." You know, like I get so angry. I'm like, and no matter what she, even in my brain, I'm like, "You're an idiot, dude. Stop. You you know you're lying right now." You know what I mean? But right. I have to make those excuses you know, to keep my my belief system in check that, nope, I can't do it, I'm worthless.
2: Yeah, and I think that success one, I just want to acknowledge that both in myself and in my clients, I noticed that people who come from poverty or traumatic childhoods have that belief system that like, oh, it must be nice to be rich. Oh, like almost like a, a bad, a, an othering of, people who have wealth and that othering means that you never become the other, right? You limit yourself. And so I just wanted to say that, you know, if anybody relates to that sort of thinking like, yeah, it's totally normal. If you had certain things happen, certain programming in your past, or if you grew up in poverty, that's a normal thing. And also you can get past it.
1: Right. Right.
2: It's 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 an outdated belief system for you.
1: Yeah, it, it served you for a time, it, you know, at, at a particular time, it was good. It, and and then, like you said, it's that that time is now done, you know, but we hold on to those 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 same, just like keeping the same oil in your car for years. And, you, you know, when you first put the oil in, it was doing its job, you know, but 20 years later, the engine's going to seize, you know, and, and that's that's where the comfort zone comes in. Yeah, yeah. And, and I I think a lot of it goes with othering, you know, if, if I did, if I was like this, you know, um, in whatever way, you know, if I was thinner, you know, um, that's a big one for me, like, and I try to like speak this stuff because when I hold it in that, that lack of vulnerability, you know, that's the thing that creates that prison. So I like, there's this dude I follow, he has awesome content you know um but he's like ripped and not muscular but like you know um does a lot of yoga stuff and and while he does the voiceover he's doing handstands on his fingers and i'm looking and he's got like 260,000 followers like yeah if i was like that guy i'd have a lot of followers you know i like lost 30 followers for some reason actually after me and makari did the uh the church thing um i put up uh, a video from her and this is just an assumption I woke up the next day and I was down 30 followers, you know, but I was like, if I was doing a handstand with my abs out and stuff, you know, like everybody would follow me, you know, but like you said, I'll never become that, you know, you never become what you other.
2: Yep. Yep. And it's, um, I think sometimes not even like, I would say my biggest, uh, block, like you're talking about, like a vulnerable block is that I don't have education or letters after my name or, right. And so even though inside I look at my life and I think I'm, I'm very great at what I do. I am totally prepared. I have, and honestly, when I've been in a manager role or an executive director, I always chose people who had experience over education because they were better staff. Right. But still in my mind, I think everybody's judging me because I don't have letters after my name. I have to hide the fact that I don't have a certain level of education. I'm not good. Like that is my thing. That's always coming in my face. It's like, I want to hide it. That's where I want to shrink. Right. And I think, oh, if I had letters after my names, I'd have tons of followers or people would believe me or they'd listen. And I think each of us, whether it's I'm too skinny. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too educated. I'm not educated enough. I'm any of those types of thinking, they're just erroneous thinking, right? It's just your brain trying to latch on to a reason because not having a reason is outside the comfort zone.
1: Yes. That oh, that's really good right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Just accepting things as they are and not having a reason for them is not comfortable.
1: You know, and I I think coming out of your comfort zone, it doesn't have to be this anxiety driven thing. I mean, there's going to be anxiety, but I think by making it fun, by playing with it, you know, um, one of the first things I did when I started challenging my comfort zone, and it was going so good. um, And then the pandemic hit, um, but out of the blue, I saw an ad for improv comedy classes and i'm like that that so sandy came from work i'm like i i signed up for an improv comic It was like 100 bucks for like like five weeks or something she's like what are you talking about like seriously you're gonna go out there and just pretend like i'm holding something like that is so not me and but i i i think the people that could do that are just it's amazing you know um and i had so much fun so i think there's ways to challenge the comfort zone without like going skydiving or, you know, doing something that, you know, kind of seems a little bit dangerous. Um, but by just by playing with it and then even being open and vulnerable with a good friend and saying, look, this is what I got to do. Let's go out and get rejected together, you know, um, and, and just make a day of failing, you know, but in such a great way.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Maybe we can do like the, failure is funny challenge. And then we'll do like the comfort zone challenge and challenge people, you know, for 30 days to do something every day and share about it. Like those would be really fun things to do on social media.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Just like, you remember the chicken wars on, on TikTok? No. Oh, you know, oh my goodness. Like must be like under a rock, like chicken wars were the most amazing thing. Um, it was like some months ago, somebody posted a thing with chickens, like um, how they like his chickens were were badder than everybody else. And then it just became this thing where, where then like, like women that had like emu farms were like, all right, come on, boys, I'm bringing the big guns and people doing karate in front of all their chickens and stuff. It became the coolest thing. Um, <laughs> and like seeing like a viral thing like that go on, like, you know, how funny can we get challenging our uncomfortability like I love this quote was are the quality of our life depends on our relationship with being uncomfortable
2: Mm -hmm. yes Yes. you know the
1: the more we can expand that again it goes back like the more self-worth we have the more self-confidence we have and the biological changes that happen in our brain that allow us to have more capacity to learn and to experience even more
2: yeah yeah I like that that's I was thinking that's a good question to ask myself is what percentage of my life is uncomfortable right now.
1: Well, what what would you say? What would your answer? be? I don't be know.
2: Like that's what I thought when you thought that. And my immediate thought was like too much.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I I have some, I could, I mean, and what percentage am I aiming for? Like 50-50? I mean, I don't know. I would say that mine's really low. Like 25% is really uncomfortable, but. That's like all my business related stuff, but I have a great marriage. I have a great house. I have like all the things of comfort, which I'm so grateful for, Yeah. but it's interesting. It's an interesting thought is how could, if I increased my discomfort to 45% of my life, who would I be this time next year, right? How would I have grown? would I be more resilient? Would I be stronger? Would I be funnier? Right? Like, it's just interesting to think about that as a metric. I appreciate you bringing that up.
1: I'm, I'm going to send you, there's a girl I follow on TikTok. Um, she started this thing of 30 days of doing something um, for myself after work. Hmm. Um, and she was always by herself when she did it. Uh, so she would, she would get off work and then she would just decide I'm going to the beach you know um and she'd go to the beach set out a blanket you know have some fruit some you know stuff peanut butter whatever go jump in the ocean relax read a book but go into a painting thing one day so every day she would do something different um and she said the effect that it had on her was was life-altering was changing i I gotta find that because i think that would be a great thing to do you know um and maybe it can't be every day, just with like family obligations or, or whatever, but at least once a week, challenging ourselves, to do something that is outside of our sort of our identity.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. That'd be a lot of fun. All right. I'm into it. We'll do something yeah. like that.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that. I can see like having a lot of fun on social media with that. That'd yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I like having, I like doing social media challenges because it's easy to create content for that. And it's such a good way to learn something. I know when I did the gratitude challenge, it was super fun. That had a big impact on my life doing that. So it's, I really like doing those little challenges on social media. I think it's really fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Those are pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Cool. Well, do you have anything else to add on the comfort zone before we wrap it up?
1: Yeah. My biggest thing is like thinking about challenging my comfort zone is very, very uncomfortable, (laughs) you know? And so being, have, being able to sit with that and say, okay, it is what it is, but, but it's not that uncomfortability, that feeling it's not me, you know? Um, so I can still push through that because feelings always change. Yeah. 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 So whenever we challenge anything like that, it is going to be uncomfortable, but I guess that's the first step in challenging being uncomfortable, you know, right.
2: Is it. being uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I find that when I think about it, I have these funny thoughts where I'll identify people. Well, what will this person think of me? Or if this person saw my video or if this, and some of them are like people I worked with three years ago that don't even know, like it makes, I don't know why that person has, I've given that person the power of judgment over my life. But it's interesting to me that when I think about that, there's a handful of people I've given power to judge me and keep me small. And so I think for me, like one of the first steps is feeling uncomfortable and then exploring that and taking my power back from those people who are really just, I mean, they're real people, but in my head, they're just imaginarily judging me. (laughs) Like It's not really happening. Yeah. And so, um, I think for me, I'm going to sit with some discomfort and then like make a list of where I'm giving my power away.
1: I, I, I'm going to join you in that. Um, yeah, I, I just put up a video the other day where I had this realization that in my life, other people's opinions are more powerful than my own sense of worth um and it's that same thing you know all this stuff that i do even with the business i have this invisible boss that like i can never please and it, the person doesn't exist it's me you know um so i'm going to join you in that i'm going to sit with feeling that uncomfortability and then start working on on regaining my power back you know i want to feel like a badass a, a, a sore badass because you know just waking up i you know everything hurts but Still a badass, you know, Um, I want that feeling back. I want that power back. Yeah, love it. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you
0: for listening to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Please support us by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review or comment. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like to be a guest, we would love to explore life and what it means to be human with you. Please email us at podcast at gmail.com.